Welcome along, I'm Alan Williams and this is the Alan Williams Podcast. Hey folks, welcome to episode number 27 of the podcast. You might hear a little bit of background noise today, we're recording from a hotel reception, which is not ideal, but please excuse us and stick with us. If you do hear noise, we'll keep going unless it gets really bad. Um, We've got a treat for GA supporters today. I'm joined by one of the most talented players in the country. Certainly one of the most talented players Leitrim has ever produced. Emma Mulligan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Millen. Alan. Good to be here now. Good. Um, you are well known for GA at this stage. When I actually came across you first was in the soccer world. You were playing with Sligo Rovers at the time. How did a man who's so well known for GA now end up playing for Sligo Rovers? Yeah, I suppose, listen, soccer was probably... I suppose soccer was my first love, really. Well, I suppose growing up no more than any child. Um, I suppose I... I grew up in Bundoran, County Donegal, uh, before moving to Leitrim when I was about seven years of age. My dad was a guard in Kinloch, so we built a house there in 1994. So no more than any young lad coming to school, GA would have been your first kind of, I suppose, from under eight up, tens, twelves, um, before we ever, we actually set up a, a soccer club in Kinloch. Um, and I suppose from that under twelves, I was playing for Sligo Leitrim Academy at the time, playing the Kennedy Cup. And... I suppose Mickey Feeney was the manager at the time. He's a Sligo man here, and who who would have been a massive influence, I suppose, in my career at, at an early age, along with Niall Harrison. And I got called into Sligo Rovers under 15s, I think it was. It was just after signing. It was just after starting up at the time. So um, that kind of, I suppose, the whole professional aspect at the time of the way Sligo Rovers was set up, and in terms of in comparison to what I was playing at GA at club level, I suppose I felt like nearly a professional footballer. Do you yeah, know? Appealed, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose I stuck at it, and I suppose the likes of Mickey Feeney there as a coach at the time was was top notch. You know, and even to this day, I hold him in awful and in, in fierce high regard in terms of I suppose the level of expectation he had of players and professionalism. And I suppose from that, then Sean Connor came in, and like I suppose I got opportunities at that time at sixteen years of age. I played in pre seasons against Shamrock Rovers and Finn Harps, and. I suppose it just took from there really and the GA was I suppose I was still playing it but at a, I suppose I played under 16 county alongside it um, but then as the older I got I was suppose involved with the first team then as I were over since I was 17 and I, I suppose at the sacrifice then county minor and at the time just I, the soccer appealed more to me you know yeah yeah um, I suppose it's, it's, it's very hard to know why it went but it was definitely more professional aspect of it appealed to me at the time and I suppose you know the attitudes were totally different and it was just it, as I said it was just more professional and that's the reason I would have chosen it at that age of my life When you're young as well I suppose the appeal of being a professional footballer probably stands out a little bit as well Yeah well of course and as a young lad you always had ambitions of going across the sea to England or these things you know and I suppose I I was in, I got called up to Ireland under 17s for trials and that sort of thing and I suppose that, as you said there that whole appeal and Soccer, it was it was just there that professional lifestyle. Whereas I suppose I wasn't getting that at Leitrim at underage level. Yes, you know, and, yeah. Um, although I missed out in minor level Leitrim, and I, I got called in then to Leitrim minors only about a month before championship. But our under seventeen Sligo Rovers, I got to an final cup final against Home Farm the same weekend, so it never worked out. But I probably a regret I have then is ever having to walk away from it. You know, and like as 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 great as the GA career was, I still look back at now and I like I suppose my best sporting days were probably involved with Rovers at an underage level. And Sean Connor came in and he gave me my senior debut against UCD um, at seventeen years of age. And you know, and I, I made myself and Jimmy Coleman made the debut the same day. And you know, like I suppose when you look back and nothing they ever say was good enough to go across the water, but I suppose different career choices made different paths for me and. In 2007, then the guards came knocking, and you know I played for and I got it, and it was kind of a Rob McDonald was like Rovers manager at the time, and he offered me a full time contract. The parents weren't on for that because they didn't see, I suppose, a, a successful career in terms of, I suppose, okay. all, you know what I mean. And they, they yeah, probably yeah. didn't see the money element and the security. So I, I took, I headed for Temple Moor in May, and Rob McDonald inevitably left. Paul Cook came in, and I suppose I played a bit of under twenty there and then, but unfortunately with the guards, it just wasn't a career that the soccer just didn't. Yeah, yeah. coincide with the guards as such whereas the GA was probably the easiest choice and I, I, I suppose that year I got called into Leitrim Senior and I suppose took off from there, do you know? Off from there. And you know, I was a bit surprised at the time that you had left and I'm not saying it because you're sitting in front of me, but I thought I'd seen a little bit of you play and I'd seen you the underage and I'd seen you coming through and you played first team and I was going, This guy's got something, this guy's good and I could see in my head you were going to be there for the next few years and you were going to be a mainstay of that team. And I was pretty certain there was a few of you, there's a couple at the time that I thought, Yeah, they're gonna make it, do you know. And then I heard he's actually left the club. And it did surprise me a little bit. But was it always a case of GA was a background love and it was one of those things you just wanted to do and playing for Leitrim maybe was something that you were growing up and you were thinking that's something I want to do someday? Honestly, no. I'd be honest with you. Um, I made my Leitrim debut in 2006 
in the National League against Donegal and I was just 18 years of age but I was with Rovers at the time but I, the, the league started in January that stage and for 2006-2007 both years I left in the middle of the National League for Leitrim to go back to play for Sligo Rovers so like I suppose by proving that point Sligo Rovers was still my number one yeah, because yeah, I, you know what I mean yeah. and it was just in 2008 then when I joined the Guards and I couldn't commit to Sligo Rovers then that was my first championship year then for Leitrim was 2008 I suppose something has to give at that stage you know and I suppose it was job related more so than anything else you know and I kept coming back playing for under 20s for Sligo Rovers and go as the time or, or the, the second thing like a reserve team as such and then I was still going and coming to Gaelic matches straight after and I was trying to juggle both of them and unfortunately like you know yourself you can't do everything, can't do everything. and both of them were at a high level and at first Desi Dolan came into Leitrim at that stage and he gave me an opportunity and listen it's not that you ever look back and regret your county career but definitely regret it's like, like I, I don't think I probably would have made it across the water or like that but I do think I would have had a very solid you definitely career would have in, the, in the League of Ireland yeah, you career would. Yeah. And, you know I'm still a big follower of it you know and yeah. I suppose it's I, I, I suppose it's just a professional element of it I see it's as much as the Gaelic has gone professional and, and you probably get more publicity and more I suppose attention being a Gaelic footballer yeah. and you're probably better more off profit. better known more yeah, profile, oh, yeah. yeah definitely yeah. but I just it was just a kind of it's funny because I remember Shamie Coleman said something similar in that he had that decision to make as well. I yeah. think he had, was it, I think he had a county final and then Rovers were trying to sign him at the same time and it was pretty much make your decision at that point. It worked out well for him, but yeah. again, it's very few that are going to end up playing for Everton and playing for Ireland and whatever. So yeah. in the long run, do you feel like you made the right choice? Well, in terms of, I suppose, the way it, the way it worked out for me, probably, it, I did. did I suppose initially at the start, you know, from, you, I suppose playing for Leitrim and that, like, you're not playing, the, you're not, you don't play for Leitrim to be, to come out of it like a celebrity or anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, the plotters don't come with it or the cups don't come with it. Or, but in fairness, I, I feel I've, you know, made a decent enough style of trying to make Leitrim better. And like, so my ambition for playing for Leitrim was just get, get Leitrim better known and more respected, I suppose. Because I know, like, there's children, young lads going to college and, they're nearly embarrassed to tell people they're from Leitrim, like, you okay. know, who do you play for Leitrim? And they're looked down on, and I even found that going to Temple more myself. And I remember playing for the Sixers team down there, and we had, we had some great players in there, like Aidan O'Mahony, John Miska, these fellas. And I remember the manager asking me, like, where were you from? And I knew automatically when I said my name, or I was from Leitrim, it was kind of nearly looked upon as in, You're, you mustn't be that good, okay. you know. And it was nearly until I had to go out and prove myself. Right. Then they say, Jesus, there is good footballers in Leitrim. Does know? that drive you on? Did you did it that would, bring your levels been, up? It would have been, it yeah. would have been, it would have been the reason one of the main reasons I probably transferred up to Dublin Club football was to prove a point that just because I'm from Leitrim doesn't mean I'm as good as Bernard Brogan or any of these boys, you know. That and I suppose that's that was one thing that when I I suppose when I did inevitably transfer up to St. Bridges in Dublin, I wanted to prove that they knew, even though I was from Leitrim, that you're still good enough. I belong here. I belong here. You know, and I try to encourage lads, especially my club lads, there's a couple of young lads there that they, just because they're from Leitrim, they're not any less yep. than a fella from Mayo or Galway. Yep. But a lot of it's come, it's, it's the mental side of things, you know. Of course it is, yeah. And I'm huge on mindset as well. And I think sometimes people overlook how far even hard work can take you. I've been yeah. in the right place and just getting, the, getting down to the grind and doing it day in, day out. And like, I know Andy Moore and well would be a mutual friend of both of us. I look at guys like that and I think, yeah, there's obviously a level of talent, but there's also a huge desire, there's a huge work rate, there's a, you know, there's a bit of self-belief there, there's actually realising, well, do you know what, I'm going to have to put in the hard yards here if I want to get to the level I want to get to. Yeah. Are you the same in that regard? I would be completely, yeah. And I suppose coming through Slag YT here, no more than yourself, when um, they did play Sigurds and Andy Moore would have been on the team at the time and I always said he would have been one of those inspirational fellas that we would, us younger lads coming out of freshers would have been looking up to, you know, and I've, I've gone to know Andy well over the years and I suppose what, a funny kind of story was back in I think it was 2014 or 15 both of us were captains that day and at the Connacht final launch or Connacht championship launch let's say we were up in up in um, Ballyhawness doing a photo shoot all the captains at the time and, but there was a there was a book whatever done out and, but in, on it my profile was, was who who's your favourite GAF upler like you know and I was sitting beside Andy and I was look, I just showed him I was like <laughs> I says, bad and two of the captains here. And I says, I'm showing you, I'm showing him the Jeremy favourite footballer. You're my hero. You know? but, but no, but it was an inspiration in his attitude. Like, yeah, yeah. It was, as you says, like, it was never a case that he was a rock at pace or that. It was just the brain was so good and his yeah. attitude was so good. Yeah. And as you says, listen, I suppose talent can bring you so much, but it definitely yeah. is down to work. work it is, yeah. and Commitment off the pitch, like, and you know, I even see that myself and you're doing work, even outside of football, you're in the gym, but you're only there an hour, five hours a week, but it's, it's what you're doing them other 20 odd hours a day is 100%. more important than actually what you're doing, like, you know. 100%, and you mentioned the word, their attitude, and yeah. I think, going back to Andy and yourself, even away from, from football, 
I think there's a great attitude and a great respect for everybody and just somebody that will give you the time of day all the time. And I think that's what takes people to the top. And I always say you get to the top because you've got a good attitude. You don't develop a good attitude when you get to the top. And I think yeah. you guys are a good example of that, you know, because yeah. you can, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but you know, and I know footballers who you would say those guys are going to make it they have huge ability yeah. but they never had the work right to match it no, and then no. you get other guys who are brilliant in training but they're not so good in games so it's an interesting yeah. one you know um, when you transferred then you left Rovers and you went to play with Leitrim do you still remember walking into that first training session the first time what was yeah. that like yeah I suppose listen I, we, I remember going up I only got called in about two weeks before the National League started at that time and I suppose I was a typical little student, young lad coming out of say, was probably with a cocky enough little attitude, like you know what I mean, and thinking, I suppose at that age, I, I, I suppose I don't know what the Leeton players would have made of me, but I remember sitting in the dugout, we were playing Donegal and Valley Shannon, and I wouldn't have even known the lads were sitting beside, and Desi Dolan threw me in with about 10 minutes to go, and I remember coming on Mark and Carol Lacey, and I guess the year Lacey got his first all star, but when we drew with Donegal at that day in Valley Shannon, you know, and I remember walking out of it thinking, you know. Go start. Jesus, yeah. But then again, I came back through overs. But the championship then in 2008 came well for me. You know, I made my debut in New York and I kicked 11 points. And the next day I played Galway, I kicked 10 points in Galway. Do you know what I mean? So I suppose that took away worrying about the soccer and the things because the media had been on me back then and they were interested, I was supposed to know who it was. Yeah, you've come in there. I got picked to play for Connacht then that year. And like, I suppose growing up as a young child, Porter Joyce was probably my favourite ever footballer and probably is to this day. And then I got to play with Porter Joyce that day for Connacht and I remember going into the dressing room he was first there up in Kiltoon or Scammon and I came into the dressing room and only two of us in the dressing room and I remember not knowing where to sit not knowing where to look Stop. but look this is an idol of mine like you know yeah, and then yeah. and to even start that day with him playing with him I suppose that law was good down as a massive day for me especially growing up having watched him win all Ireland it was, it was always that. a day I'd always remember you know but I suppose that them, that year especially went very well for me you know and Obviously, down the years after, then unfortunately with injuries and that, I kind of set it back. But no, listen, you kept bouncing back. But um, it was a good year just to, I suppose, forget about the soccer and the things. Yeah, well, it was. It was important that that first year probably was good because at least it gives you a little bit of confidence and reinforces that. Okay, I've left something behind, but maybe it's worth it. Yeah, maybe know? it made a good decision, you know. And I suppose listen, when you get involved in, I suppose at that level in a county football and getting to play for Connacht, you know, you say to yourself, maybe this is what this, it's about. Yeah, this was, and you know, it was, it was really enjoyable. I suppose at that time too. And, and what's the commitment like? Because obviously we all have this idea that, you know, playing county football, it is a big commitment. How big exactly is it? Yeah, it's, it's changed over the years. It's changed drastically. Like, um, like when I started in 2008, it was Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, that was it. Like, you know, and there was very little, it was very little emphasis in gym. Now, there was a small bit Desi Dolan would try to bring in with us, but there wouldn't have been massive into strength and conditioning or even nutrition. Like, you know, I suppose my diet, I was always a wee bit chubby or even, you know, weight-wise back then. And, as I said, the boys, I probably was better with a bit of weight on than I was when I got leaner. Like, that's been generally honest. You know, it's funny. Like, you protect more, yourself. But, you know, you're a bit more power that yeah. behind you. But no, uh, I wouldn't have found it too bad. Now, the commuting was the probably the biggest thing. Um, I was in Dublin at that stage in 2008 as a student guard in Store Street in Dublin. So you're commuting Tuesday, Thursday, back down Sunday. But, you know, Were you training in Leitrim at the time? Yeah, we were training so in Longford. We were training in Longford, Longford okay. yeah. Some nights including in, in Leitrim as well. So it just depended because we had no, I suppose we had no centre of excellence at the time. We had no set place. Every every day it was different. But I think the I think the travelling wise thing is probably the biggest commitment rather than actually what you're putting into it. You know, right. I think um, like now, like like now, even last year, your schedule, you're still your Tuesday, Thursday, maybe Saturday and Sunday, depending on you're getting your gym in. But like I'm doing that now at the minute, even though I'm not involved with anyone at the minute. You know, I'm sitting in the gym four or five days a week. It's lifestyle at this stage. But it's the commute. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in a local gym here. I'm only a kilometre. Yeah. Yeah. I'm home and back in an hour. Whereas with Leitrim now, I'm not too bad living in Sligo. Going up to Carrick last year, you're, but you're still 45 minutes to Carrick going. You're 45 home. You're there for two hours. It's just the commute, and I think That's is the biggest lot. part. I think players, no player will give out about the commitment. Players still want to do it. They want like, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And club. Like I, when I left the county area near my back to the club, like the club, I found as much of a commitment. I'm still travelling to Canock 35 minutes back in. It was still three, four nights a week. So it gets harder as you get older, I suppose, as well. When you're younger and maybe you're single and things 100%. are different, you've left res- less responsibilities. Yeah. And like there is other lads in, and like and I see lads here myself with children now and well. And it's very, it's, it's very tough. And it's, it's not even on them. It's, it's easy for them. They're probably delighted to get away. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very tough on the partners and that, and of course, that sort yeah. of thing. And there's nothing probably in place for that kind of, I suppose, to to put their needs, you know, and to say, well, listen, bring your children here. I always thought, you know, if there was teams, a lot of children at the Shinnery Crashes set up for when they are training on Saturday mornings that they can bring their children and leave them. The, you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. But no, it's definitely changed in terms of the amount of days and that. But I still think players wouldn't change, you know, because everyone and you know yourself how much health and well-being has come yep. on now in the world and how much of a bigger thing it is. 
players want to do something every day. It's of course you do, yeah. Yeah, and I'd be the same. It's very, hard to sit, it's very hard to sit still and not do anything. Like, that's it, know? 100%. I train five days a week and I wouldn't be anywhere near elite level athlete and I just I do it because I love it. And I think, even for me, it's for the head as much as anything. Just enjoy yeah. it, get out and clear, blow the cobwebs away. But I do think away. one thing I would say, and people talk about the GA a lot, it's probably because it's a focal sport in our country, but like I, ta- I talk to people here in Sligo in the tri-clubs that are doing Ironman. Yeah. Like the hours that them, them men that's are putting it. in yep. in comparison to GA players like it did wipe them off the table like yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. go from chatting lads are putting in five, six, seven hours some days trying to get ready for these things and they're getting nothing for it they're no publicity yeah. there's no absolutely nothing but then it's just it always comes back to GA oh, or too much we're doing too much and just because it's in the media it's what people listen but there's so many other sports out there that are do you know what I am a little bit concerned about Emlyn and I don't know I'll get your opinion on this maybe the younger generation have been influenced by that Yeah. I remember oh god it's probably going back four or five years ago now a young fella came up to me looking for advice. He was playing county minor at the time. And he said to me, look, the the management team, they want me to start doing gym work. So when do you think would be the best time for me to fit it in? And I said, well, what's your, your schedule like at the minute? And I swear to God, he was on a pitch seven days a week and some of those days twice a day because he was playing with his school, he was playing with yeah. his club, he was playing with his county. And there seemed to be no communication between the managements at all. It's going, some people just need to sit down here and say, okay, you've got him this day, we've got him this, give him some recovery time. Yeah. And like he was asking me, when was he going to fit in two or three gym sessions a week along with that? Do you know? Yeah. And I remember saying to him at the time, I said, look, I'm not trying to be a prick here, but you're going to be finished by the time you're 22, 23, the way you're going at the minute. Yeah. Do you know? And the best of my knowledge he's not playing county level anymore you yeah. know um, so I think it's important because I'm aware that we're going to have a lot of GA fans listen to this and probably a lot of younger yeah. ones what is your message to those guys on that yeah listen and I see it even in a county level college football lads are getting pulled and dragged and, and I suppose over the years I've seen managers that have they're not willing to make contact even with the college manager the college managers aren't willing to make you know and it's they've been pulled and dragged it's everywhere. just a communication issue isn't Complete. it and, and that's what it is and, like, and, it, and players deserve the respect of both their managers or the three managers involved with like you know it's like as you said there, like recovery is huge now, and there's an awful emphasis on recovery nowadays yeah. as well. That it's probably more important than Absolutely. sleeping, recovery, and eating well is as important as what you're actually training. Of course it is, and then we've got strength and condition as yeah. well. And if you're if you're going in lifting weights and you're breaking down muscle, there has to be recovery time as well. Yeah, but um, for a player, but for a player like that, like it's very it's very hard for him because if his if yes. his managers aren't willing to sit down and communicate on his behalf, yep. it's very hard for him. Like yep. the only advice you'd him say to him is you're nearly just gonna have to pull away from something. That was that was actually what I said to him because to me it looked like. Each manager is only concerned about their team. We want to win. We want him here. And nobody was really too concerned about the, play- the welfare of the player. 100%. That was my concern not, But you have to understand, is man- managers are in there, and I see it, they're there for a two-year period. They want to get the best out of that yeah. team for that two-year period. Yeah. They're not worried about that player in 10 years' time, what sort of shape he's going to be. And I think players have to understand that. Well, at this moment of time, that manager might be praising you and this and that, especially in the league level. They're only going to be there for a short period that they're not worried about him. And it's they have to long. get results. Yeah, that's it. And it's a short, it's a, it's a results-based game for managers. They're there to get a job. They're not worried about you in seven, eight years' time or how your body is going to feel. And yeah. players need to take note of that as well. Like, yeah. you know. Tell me about your own training. It's probably, I know the last few years and that there's been injuries and stuff involved, but have you got more into strength and conditioning and stuff like that over the last few years because it's probably been a big change from when you started out I would imagine yeah. because I would even see strength and conditioning nutrition even as recently as the last five, six, seven years I think it's come on in leaps and bounds yeah and there's probably an, there's an extreme emphasis on it maybe too much in my opinion for GA to be to a degree in terms of that we're kind of forgetting about the basic skills of the game and we're not I suppose we're not out kicking ball enough so we're too, too focused on maybe strength and conditioning okay. but when I, I done the cruise in 2009 um, I suppose that would have given me a massive I suppose an opening in the strength condition after coming off that first cruise shit. Um, and unfortunately done it again in 2010. And I suppose at that stage, listen, I suppose when you're injured first laid up, you're you're very focused on nutrition because your I suppose weight weight gain is gonna be a huge you're effect not if you're, much. when you're not training, you know, and then doing your rehab and I got involved with Keith with Keith Fox is our physio at the time, he's Irish rugby physio at the minute there, he's from McLone, so he was very knowledgeable in terms of what to do, you know, and at that stage then Mickey Moran came in from Derry himself and John Morrison got uh, God rest him they came in managing us then and that was 2010-11 and they brought in an Ali Cummins who was a top notch kind of strength and condition he would have been the first I suppose ever to hit our let's say come into Legion at that stage so I suppose we were lucky with him that he was the first because he's such a knowledgeable fella and he, like, he's supposed to, he changed the complete Brilliant. the complete philosophy of what we should be doing and what we shouldn't and like, he definitely kick started and I suppose from him it completely built it on like I remember going to him and I couldn't do a chin up do you know what I mean? Like it's. I remember going wow. in the first day, and he was like, like all of us were the same. Wow. Like no, we couldn't even do a chin up. Like and that's madness. That was two years. Like you know, this was two thousand and ten or eleven. Like you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. 
and I suppose you look back now, it was great. It was, it was fairly embarrassing going in, but but even squatting, deadlifting wouldn't have had a, a notion of what we should be lifting, or you know oh, what yeah. I mean. And he just he changed it for us, and I suppose that that led on all year on year after. Then you know for county and even nutrition, he was very he, he was an emphasis on it, but. Whereas that became a focus, and I see it now with underage, 16, 17, 18 years, they're mad for the gym, they're mad for pumping the triceps, the biceps, yeah, yeah. You know, bench press. But I think the, like, a lot of them then are forgetting about going out kicking a ball against the wall, like, do you yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and, that, and that frustrates me when I see young lads coming through and they're athletic and all. And the game has changed in a way that you can get away, especially in Division 4 when we were playing it, I found. If you were athletic in Division 4, you were going to be a good enough county footballer. But as, this, as the levels go up and you see the dubs, their strength and condition are right, but the, it's the intelligence and the basic skill level is, is 100%, whereas yeah. I think a lot of players are forgetting about that part of it. And do you know what I think is probably important as well is the knowledge of what you're doing? Because, again, it's something I see a lot with young lads in particular. They're very, maybe not so much with the footballers, but definitely with the general public, and I think it maybe is some of the footballers, how they look. And yeah. maybe it's about, for some of them, lifting mad heavy weights yeah. to try and pack on muscle and it's funny because I heard the Leinster Rugby strength conditioning coach on a podcast recently and they were asking about you know sets and reps and all the rest and he said our rule here is that you can lift twice your body weight but no heavier Yeah. because it was proven apparently studies show that beyond that there's no major benefit but the risk of injury goes up enormously Yeah. and I just, I just thought it was so so interesting because I would imagine for you guys there's an old phrase we use, strong is strong enough. Yeah. You know, you don't need to be absolutely hammering out. Oh, 100%. Because, you know, and, and when, when you're doing that, what, what kind of rep range are you in? Are you kind of lightish, moderate weight? Depends on the phases throughout the year. Like, you know, like if, if I was yep. at this stage year, it'd probably be lower, lower reps. And heavier. And heavier. And then as it's going to the season, you're going, you're short. You know, you're like maintaining. Quick, yeah, 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 it's just maintenance to yeah. keep it going through. And yeah. a, lot of, a lot of it I define then is, is forgotten about that time of year and the most important like we could lift very heavy for three months now and then you're going into heavy enough in January, February, March but come summer then players just ease off and forget about it like you know and whereas that's the time of year I suppose that you want to be hitting and I suppose that's where Dublin these teams for time I'm so glad you're saying that because you know? I'm blue in the face saying it to people because it's, I've seen that and especially at club level when people kind of ask me for advice and I'm going well you're going in there for six weeks before the season starts and then you're abandoning it for the rest of the year round like what is the point like do you that, know that, and like I would have at the start I suppose initially I would have been kind of thinking I should do three months now but sure you're you know you're, you're consistent on the pitch you're losing everything that you've yeah. I suppose the work you've yeah. put in in the winter but um, no I just see it like and I, I suppose a lot of players would do like consistently you're doing that part this phase now this time of year but then it just it, it does ease off and I think the mentality is at summer now is you're on the pitch and you're yeah. you know and it's yeah. but it's important that it is periodised like you were saying there because I think there's so much ego lifting as well and it's people nearly yeah. every time they go in trying to set a new PR and all this and I'm going Jesus you know it's serving a purpose that's what it's for so if you're an athlete train like an athlete don't yeah. train for your ego don't train to look good don't yeah. train to lift massive heavy weights it's not about that yeah. you know? no 100% um Nutrition, I would imagine, changed over the last number of years for you as well, did it, from when you went in first? Yeah, oh, completely. My, oh, my, 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 I suppose nutrition-wise, uh, starting out, I would have just ate whatever. Like, I would never have, it would never have been about time and meals, it would never have been, there would have been nothing but macros, about carbohydrates, protein, fats, it would have been just whatever you want to eat, just eat, you know, and I suppose you would always have felt that in the body, but I suppose over the, I suppose over the last three or four years more so I'd say I've really focused in on it now probably a wee bit too much to be honest in a way that it nearly nearly affects me every day that I'm thinking okay. about what I'm eating like and I think it's not a healthy it's not a healthy thing it can get obsessive I suppose yeah and my, and my wife would tell you that like and I suppose I'm just like it's all and, and it's not even like probably performance it's nearly about just feeling good about yourself and yeah. you just don't like to have any weight and you want and more what we're after probably saying the whole mentality of wanting to look good and wanting to be big and wanting to be you know and it, it can get obsessive, and yeah. I suppose one bit of advice you would say to young lads is do not make, do, do not let it get obsessive. Like, don't Absolutely. be worried about eating that chocolate digestive biscuit. Just yeah. eat it. It's not going to make a massive difference to you. But like, I've, there's been people speaking over here, Joe Brawley and all this, and I remember meeting Donny Gallpears years ago, and and they were up with Jim McGuinness, and they were, they were nearly hiding the bag of sweets or something. And oh, he was just saying it's just become so obsessive. Like, but yeah, at the end of the day, like it's still all about the ball in hand and what you can, you know, and how the mental, what you can do with it. Like, it's just these are side effects that. I suppose listen, I could I could name back managers like and one story is like we went out we went away for a weekend and they, they we were down and I think it was Wicklow we were playing like and the dinner came out whatever and it was past and chicken you know your usual night before but on the menu then but they came out they came round for an or, a dessert order we didn't know whether it was a test or not like but only a few lads off a few lads uh, ordered a sticky toffee pudding like 
And I was like, no, I can't be doing this. But again, not that it was going to make any difference to our performance the next morning. Do you know what I mean? But three or four lads did it. But that manager held that the whole year. He never stopped going on about this sticky toffee pudding and this is the decisions you make in life. And I was just like, you know, this is a wee bit obsessive. Like, it's not yeah. going to make or break someone yeah. by having that dessert in his heart. No, not at all. I always say 80 20 route. Do you know? And it's consistency. Like, if you're consistent throughout, consistently over the year, and you're having these little treats now and again, but any. That's what makes it consistent. Yeah, and it, but it was, like a wee, it was like a wee test, and I remember going, I think we were bet the next day anyway, but as I said, like, it would have made the difference that he, but he, like, focusing on that negative nearly brought negativity around the room. Of course, room, yeah, he, yeah. Whereas I've played under other managers then who just completely forget about that and wouldn't be worried about it. And move on. And just move on, do you know? And, but there is definitely too much, I think, of a focus on it. Like, there is players that need bulking and need that. You know, they do need this yeah. time of year and you do need the right people to do it. But it's just become obsessive at the minute, I think, with some players, myself included. And just something you need to kind of ease off. You need to make sure you're in control of it. And I was chatting to Daniel Davy recently. He made a really, really good point as well. We were talking about, I suppose, a lot of the Instagram influencers and going around with, like, 0% body fat nearly, yeah. you know. And the point we were making was, and Daniel said it himself, that's not optimal for, for performance. 100%. You know, yeah. And that's what, again, our young athletes here listening need to keep in mind that it's not about going around with a six-pack and all the rest because what is happening a lot of the time is those people are in a deficit, so their energy levels are quite low. Yeah. So in terms of performance, they're not in an optimal condition going out onto the pitch. Yeah. You know? So it's just keeping all that in mind and bearing, I suppose, the whole overall picture, yeah. not just any one kind of let's get down to this percent body fat, which obviously... At that level, there's going to be a certain. Yeah, and I suppose the big thing is there is some players that are generic that are just in naturally great shape and they are all ripped. But yep. the problem is, and as you said, social media, we all want to be that person and we're all looking at photos and we want to have that body and we want to be this size. But it's just not possible. And as you said, performance is, performance is more important than aesthetics, like, do you yep. know what I mean? And as you said, there's, there's yep. top county players there and you see them take off the top and they mightn't even see an ab on them. That's like, it, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. and it's, it's, as you said, it's not to be end and end all, it's performance is key, I suppose. It's 100%, yeah. And it's it's an important message to put out there, I think, and it's great to hear from fellas like yourself as well and from Daniel because you're the guys people listen to. You know, oh, well, that's so. it. But as you said, but it's just it's just social media is the place to destroyed with pictures you need of to, players. Yeah, keep things in perspective. And it's not even real. You know, you know, a no. lot of it's not real. Um, talk to me about your injuries. You've had some horrific times over the years three yeah. ACLs is that three right? ACLs yeah oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh listen I suppose you think back and I was thinking on the way over here actually before I speak to you, what you like what how do you how do you put into words when it happened but um, 2009 obviously when they done the first time I suppose it wasn't as common in 2009 as it is it was five years later like you know it was kind of I was kind of the start of it and I suppose it kind of took a bit more attention at the time because it wasn't near as many GA players doing it okay. um, were you nearly a guinea pig then in yeah, terms of how to deal with it at the start yeah and like like even now to this day I, anyone I hear are doing cruciates even if they're other county players I'd always be in touch with them like just to let yeah. them know because at the end of the day it's, it's, it's easier to talk to someone or not someone that's done it but yeah 2009, 2010 I remember coming out of Santry after the first one and it, you know it, it, was, it was I suppose it was, at that stage I thought my career was over but Fairness to Ray Moore and Santry was like, listen, don't be worried about it, we'll get you back, you know. And But to do it then the second year in a row, now I remember getting a phone call, and I suppose the, the, prob- the biggest thing was when I'd done it both times, and no respect to physios at the time, they were like, no, it's not gone, it's not gone, and we can feel the test, you know, the test, to do a test on your leg. And I was like, no, the pain was too excruciating to not have it gone, you know. Okay. Then you get the result back from your scan six weeks later, and it's like, it's gone. You're just like, I remember the second time now, it was fit to. I suppose, listen, you, you might you, you speak about depression, these sort of things, and I suppose at the time mentally I would have been in a bad place, you know, but at the same time then, listen, it's not the end of the world either. It is only an injury. It is tough to deal with, though. But it is tough to deal with, you know. And, but in fairness, I like, good people around me, you know, and I good managers, and good, listen, physical support, you know, it's at the time my parents would have been very, very supportive of it, you know, and I was lucky I had a job in the guards at the time that you could go sick and get paid and recover yeah. do you get me I wasn't yeah, yeah. under pressure to go back to work yeah. it was I suppose everything was there for me to get back and yeah. I suppose I got back again in 2011 um, you know in 12, 13, 14. yeah listen I, I had a good run at it then without, well with cruciate related anyway, I picked up a few other things and at wrong, I suppose at wrong times you know and I think I suppose 2013 was probably the worst when I was captain that year and we we bet New York and I remember the great game I kicked I, I knew I was going very well in 13 and I kicked 3-7 against New York and we were coming into we got to London in a semi-final after beating Sligo which was a massive opportunity to get to a conic final you know and I remember the week before the game I snapped the tendon here then on the back just kicking a ball outside the right casually in a warm up snapped the tendon and, and, and I have no problem saying I do believe we drew that game in Park Sean and the Bellis and Reaper but I do believe if I had been playing that game we would have been in a conic final and I suppose looking back on that injury was probably more regrettable. It was a sickener. Because I think it's the biggest opportunity they ever had to get into a chronic final. And 
like you know, not no disrespect to London at the time, but we were definitely we were, we were missing a few other players as well due to other situations. But uh, yeah, and inconsistently, I've done it again then in seventeen. Um, again, just a random sidestep and just opposite leg this time. So I've done two in the right first, and it was the left. And oh, yeah, just a random out train. I went to sidestep someone and bang, just collapsed. And like absolutely no contact on it, you know. And, um, for like, any player to do it once in their career is yeah. bad, but three times is but I would, terrific. And one bit of advice I always do say as well, and I've probably learned over the years in 2000, and the two times I'd done it in nine and ten were possibly after having consumed a lot of alcohol. In terms of 2009, I came back from a wedding on a Friday night, I'd been up drinking, my cousin got married, um, came home with character that day, played on it off in the game. Now, I'm not saying it was down to drink, but my body is definitely a lot weaker at that moment in time in that in that you know what I mean? No more That's really interesting, yeah. And the fella came in and sat which was grand. But the second time then, I remember two thousand ten, I was after it was after the week after Rag Week here in Sligo. And I remember You've been enjoying yourself. Yeah, but you know, I know, but I'll be honest with you, I I'd done three or four days here in Rag Week and my body, I swear to God, I never forget that Saturday morning. I couldn't get off work for the game, but I ended up getting off last minute. But my body was completely drained. Like I would have nothing nutrition, there's no hydration. And the simplest little turn in the side, I went again. And before I do put it, I definitely do think that was a massive factor. Yeah. Them, especially the second time, because the body was just completely weak. Well, the muscles are going to cramp even without, you know, if you're not you hydrated know, properly. I, I, and I basically come to a stage now, where, like, if, if I had drinks the night before a game, and I and I, sh- I shouldn't have, I nearly would sacrifice telling the manager that I said I'm not playing because yeah. of the body. And whether it means getting thrown off a team or not, I do definitely put down to getting a lot of injuries on that basis. Like, and it would be something I'd always say to the lads that, like it's it's not really worth it because the body was completely shut down. Like and yeah. it definitely wouldn't have helped that part. Of, you know what I mean? The strength just wasn't there at the time. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, the thousands have been was disappointing now again. But listen, I got me. I set myself a target, and Benny Benny Gookin was manager at the time, and John O'Mahony and Ferris. And they were like, "Listen, we've New York next April. We've got my operation in July." He goes, "Just I'm going to give you every possible every possible chance to be back for that May game against New York." And listen, thankfully I came back and played it and. Like, you know, played loud, got mad at matching loud then the qualifiers after it, and, you know, we ran Mon and close, you know, so, um, it, you know, I, I came back from them all relatively well, in fairness, and I would say my performance never really went okay. down, like, I, I kept, like, no, I still have a lot of problems with them, and I could be icing these two knees every day of the week, right, so I had right. to, like, last year even, you'd be icing consistent just to make yourself able to train, you know. And was there a fear there when you came back, like, in terms of testing it out initially, was it going? Well, the only thing is, Santry's a waste of more, it's a way ahead of the game now in terms of it would have been a 9 and 10. You go through, they won't, they, they analyse you every three months and you're put through relative tests that you're, you know, you're pinned and you're you're shown and your turns and your strength. So they they wouldn't, they sign off and, you know, so you cannot go back. Okay. Uh, whereas the first two times I could go back and never felt ready. Whereas now they have a nine-month period. So Mentally, though, you were still fairly sure you were okay. Yeah, well, it was, and I, I felt I was I was probably rushing trying to get back. But as I said, the time management were very good to me in terms of like they gave me every opportunity because I'd never played any national league, so I went straight into championship. But again, I, I felt myself I was in a decent enough place, like and um, but like I remember like as in New York that went extra time that game, and like coming off an astroturf after it, like geez, I couldn't walk for a week. I can imagine, yeah, you know, and the because the Patel is. Took the cruciates from the front of your knees, like and try, like even there on Sunday, we're a mass. And I says to Elaine, like, I because I, I, I couldn't even, kneel, I can't even kneel down there, mass on the two right. knees with the pain, like, right. know, so yeah, but that's just something you live with. But at the same time, I'm, I'm glad I got back to a level that it wasn't yeah. the case that Jesus, you're finished now, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, you were able to still come back and, and hit yeah. high standards. Um, what was in my head there, yeah, just in terms of you kind of mentioned it briefly, but dealing with the emotional and the psychological side of that. Yeah. How difficult was that? Because I know myself, and I, I don't play elite level sport. I remember a few years back I had a shoulder injury, and I couldn't. It, it limited me an awful lot in what yeah. I could do. And for somebody who was used to training every day, I found that extremely difficult. It was two or three of the longest months of my life. I know. How did you find that? Yeah, well, I suppose the biggest thing for me was an adonan. I suppose well, you learned after the first time. Do you know, um, as bad as it was getting the initial news of it done, the biggest thing for me was as Ray Moore says, get it just. Get a good set of let's say prehab in, get the operation because the minute op- minute as I said to lads, you're operating on, you're fixed. Do you know? So I think that's important that the minute the operation was finished, I was like happy days. My legs, it's it's hundred percent now, but I just have to build everything, and I'm going to be in pain. Do you know? But yeah. I suppose the thing about the cruise ship is that you're you're straight away into the gym. So like I was in the gym five six days every week, so I had a purpose every day to get up. Okay. Yeah. Um, the first twice times I would have went and I would have stayed around the county panel, and the last time I kind of separated myself from it. Because I, I found it very hard going watching games, 
consistently looking at lads I run and train and when, you know you're looking on and summer's even you want to be out there of course so the, the, just the last thing before that, that winter I kind of told Benny I stayed away from it I said I'm with my physio I can do my own thing and I do my own prehab but when I'm ready to come back it'll be coming back full on the pitch Brilliant. I don't want to be hanging around looking at you every night because I, I found that mentally draining because I found it tough to watch and you know yourself when you're looking on it's very hard yeah. and you're not able to do anything about it so I kind of separated myself from the team that for them four or five months initially are you kind of mentally strong in that you're okay to go into a gym on your own and train on your own and give it everything and oh, yeah, do as much yeah, as you yeah. can? Yeah, and I suppose initially more than any man, you'd always have that fear of getting in, you know what I mean? That you know, but as long as I win with a programme in my hand, I think it's, yeah. it's usually But you important. don't need people around you, like no, you're okay. No, anyway. I was okay on my own, you know, and Colin Regan was another club mate of mine. Um, he'd done his time, the second time I'd done mine, so the two of us would have been always together yeah. for rehab, which was great as well when you have someone, like, you know, but the third time, no, the third time I was just better off on my own and staying away from everybody and, as I said, putting the head down, but but listen, I'd be motivated enough. I wanted to get back. I knew that I wanted to get back to play against New York. I knew I'd, I had something set, I suppose, a date. And I suppose... You have a goal a, to work towards. a goal to work for, you know. I have a club mate now just recently got an operation. But I said, listen, you're, you're, you're recovered now. You're fixed. That cruise it's in there. It's as strong as the other one. You know, it's double lapped. It's overlapped. It's tied everywhere. I said, all you need now to do is just get in, get your rehab done. And you'll be back in seven, eight months. And it is a long process, but... It's the first three months is probably the longest part of it, but they fly in at the same time. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, but you just need to be mentally ready for it and be like, right, forget about stopping, sorry for yourself. Try not to be snapping at the but people around people, you. Yeah, but there's people out there that are in wheelchairs, they're paralysed, they can't walk, they can't move. And I said, listen, so like a little ligament, it's a little ligament in your knee. You're still able to come back and play the level and play something you love doing. So I said, just, you know, stop beating yourself up about it yeah. and just move on from it. There's people it. with bigger problems. 100%, and they're always will be, you know. Yeah, that's exactly it. No, I love, I love your attitude. Um, May this year, you kind of announced that you weren't going to be playing the rest of the year with Leitrim. I think you did kind of say you're still open to a return. Where are you with that at the moment? Do you think you'll be back someday? Yeah, listen, I'm not, I suppose I'm not retired. First and foremost, I'm not retired. Um, I still think there's a few more years in me. Unfortunately, I suppose I did walk away from it due to different, I suppose just due to different things. Maybe personality clashes a wee bit with management as such. Um, I suppose I came in, I got married last December. I didn't go back into the squad kind of January, end of January. You know, I suppose I did a lot of work done. I was probably chasing the pack, um, which I felt, I suppose after a number of weeks, I thought I was a lot closer than I should have been, you know. And maybe Terry, listen, me and Terry might have clicked 100% off the pitch as such. But listen, regardless of that, um, you know, there was common defeat then. Due to a number of a number of issues, I decided to walk away from it. Not completely closing the door, um, and I know Terry himself said the door was still open for me. But to this day, I suppose to, to here now, I haven't received a call from Terry to go back. So where my future lies, I can't really say it's out of my control. Um, I still love to play for Leitrim. There's no question about it. Whether it's this year, maybe not, but I'll be available next year again. But um, I suppose there's very little to say on it. Barry, the fact he hasn't rang me, uh, okay. they're back training. Uh, they're back training a good number of weeks. There's a squad in there in place, so he hasn't rang me to come back. So from your end, you just want to play for Leitrim, though you'd love to well, do it. Well, listen, I'm Leitrim true and true. Like there's no yeah. question on this. Listen, I suppose, and listen, Terry and management, they're, they're 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 in there to do a job, and you have to respect that as well. Yeah, you know, and if he feels that I'm not his type of player, and that's listen, that's fair enough, and I have to deal with that part of it as well. Um, you know, I, I I felt he didn't value me as a footballer last year. Probably lost all the confidence on that basis. Um, and maybe that affected me on the pitch but are you a confidence player uh, completely yeah, yeah. Like, and, and, and you know I suppose over the years people might say look at me and say, I, but I still need encouragement like I still like I, I go around the younger lads and put the hand over their shoulder and tell them they're great and I keep trying to encourage and you know yeah. that they know that but at the same time some days I need to be told everyone needs that bit of reinforcement just because I'm there 13 years or 12 years doesn't mean I don't need the hand over the shoulder to be said listen Emlyn yeah. you know and I think maybe sometimes that's kind of forgotten about with older players like you know but I definitely need encouragement 100% and it's definitely I suppose mentally drained me because I think I, I'd be a very deep thinker in terms of when I go to drive and I'm always thinking football, football like it goes through my head and it's thinking why am I playing why? and it probably mentally drained me that it nearly affected me again trying to, like where I wasn't making myself any better probably from it you know but yeah. oh yeah listen it, I, I'm available to play for my county there's no question about that but I said it's, it's, it'll, it's, it's up to Terry what he wants to do and if he doesn't want me part of the squad and he feels he doesn't want me around it. Well, that's his decision. He's fully entitled to that. That's it, yeah. Uh, and, and as you know, and, and I know, and sport changes very, very quickly and yeah. anything can happen. That's it, general. you know. So, but I, no, listen, I'll keep myself in shape for the winter. And there's no question. And as I said, I think if, I, if he ever rings, I, I'd be the first man to jump yeah. at the opportunity. But I just have to mentally, you know, get myself around that you're not being called into your county squad, which is kind of a, a, an unfamiliar position to be in, you know, sure. whereas uh, every other year, we kind of, 
he'd be rang to help management maybe you know get things ready for the year but this year now it's not even getting called into it it's something I have to deal with but listen I'm not going to beat myself up for, yeah. about it you know I said, I'm content enough for a mat and you're happy out. I'm happy enough at the minute you know and tell me what's your own training like at the minute then is it gym work most just days? just gym at the minute yeah, yeah. Um, I'm hooked up with a fella here he's kind of the personal online trainer so I do he's I suppose my biggest thing is it's, it's been the first time since I suppose she's a long time today I've had nothing this time of year to actually focus on is in terms of pre-season training or that so like a club wouldn't be going back to January or February so I just needed to hook up with someone to make myself accountable um, to log in every day with food, nutrition, you know, calorie intake and all okay. that sort of thing. So you're staying on top of things pretty. Yeah. Pretty handy, so so if a month under my belt, now, so it's good. Like you know, it's it's as I said to ourselves, just to get me out of the house because there's days there when I come from work, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm no interest going to gym today and I leave it. But the fact that I have to log into this and go through and play my way, it's, it just makes me accountable. Gives so, you feeling good too, like yeah, you know, that's it. And especially up to Christmas too. and hey, listen, I'm looking for it. Listen, I've 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 weekends away and stags and weddings coming up now that I'm just going to enjoy, like you know, whereas yeah. I wouldn't have over the years. You know, you'd be worried about something else happening. And um, so, in terms of training, actually, and I'm playing a bit of soccer then for Cornwall Celtic. Then they play on the Astor there and, and yeah, during yeah. the week. So, oh, it keeps you ticking. Get the soccer, get the, the, the shin pads back. Get on. them back on. <laughs> get them back on. So yeah, listen. I, you know yourself. It's the, the little things in life. Go you have for, to be going for a walk them. for a forty-minute walk around Dorley Park there in Evans. Yeah, I get as much satisfaction out of that now, and you know, and yeah. it's, uh, it's it's I suppose the older you get, it the more I suppose appreciated all them little things. You know, absolutely. Did you find when you were playing and you were would say you were very very busy with work you were busy with family you were busy with life how were you with switching off from it all because you sound to me like a pretty deep thinker you've yeah. even said it there I don't, I probably don't switch off really do, do you not? not no I don't uh, I definitely overthink everything like you know geez, like I was in Castellita working and it's a 50 minute drive to work and 50 minute home and I swear to god the minute I get into that car it's just overthinking everything like okay. you know and especially performances if I I've, I've been off. I've been very critical of myself on it, you know. And I suppose it's over the years probably too much. Um, I, I focus in on little things that I should now, you know. And I'm, you become a type of player that you're you're scared to make mistakes nearly because you're so critical of yourself. And I'd be just thinking back in games and overanalyzing. Overanalyzing, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I suppose this in the first first number of years of my career, I wouldn't even thought about them. You know, I would have just got on with it and keep yeah. going. And even like I suppose if free kick taking will be one of my top kind of things and even over the last number of years I've been, very, I've been nearly overthinking them like you know and I probably wouldn't be as consistent as I would have been in the first 10 years or the last two or three years I'm nearly overthinking everything yeah, yeah. you know and we're, we're very much into the area of sports psychology there yeah. do you have you ever had any interest in that or is it something you've looked into at all we've like I suppose something interested in I definitely believe that it's, it's a part and parcel I could benefit I do benefit from big time I do think as I spoke to you before, off we started recording. Jerry Duffy was a, he came into us as kind of a sports psychologist effect for Leitrim for a number of years, and I would have found him very beneficial. Whereas I suppose a lot of players mightn't have, but I think every player is different. Some players can buy into it, some players can't. But that part of it, um, I definitely believe, is is huge. Like just for that encouragement and, and self belief. Yeah, yeah, and even the likes of visualization for somebody like yourself yeah. that's a free taker. Like, I yeah, mean, oh, you have to visualize those moments before it even like as you said, yeah. you visualize before they've ever happened. You know, yeah, that'd yeah. be a huge part and of it. It feels nearly well. like you've been there and you've yeah. done it a million times, and it's second nature. You know, and yeah. I actually remember Paul O'Connell speaking. I was at Pendulum Summit in Dublin. I think it was he was speaking at, and he was saying after every training session he'd actually take time towel over his head eyes closed sitting in the dressing room taking time to just play out different plays in his head yeah. and figuring out when this happens how is it going to play out what am I going to do how yeah. am I going and, and always it's obviously coming out with a positive result for him yeah. so then when that situation arises on game day it's nearly second nature yeah. you know I think for the likes of yourself that's probably something that will be hugely beneficial have yeah. you done much of oh, that I, 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 well I do it myself in terms of like parts of games positions on the pitch you know, going this or what I'm going to, like I, I I've done it I suppose numerous times and I suppose one thing is when you've ever when you ever do it or visualise it and then you do it in a game and it comes off, it's just like Wow. Wow <laughs> And it might be the only simplest thing is in that you just know you're gonna turn this or turn out and then go again, which you've done in your head so many times, it's just it's, it's just second instantly, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um but that that'll be more on a personal level. I don't know is there enough done probably relatively good teams um, I'm a huge believer in it yeah. I think there's a huge scope there for actually yeah. gaining advantage for the ones that are willing to take it on board yeah. you know but again as you said it's a very individual thing some is, people yeah. believe in it others don't do you yeah, know? But, and you see even teams there that vision like, so, and a belief you believe so much that you're going to win something that when yeah. you win it it's actually not as good 
or that you don't get that feeling because you nearly visualised it. You nearly were expecting it. You've nearly lived that moment already, yeah. and you're kind of like saying, "Oh, this was this was the norm." I knew yeah, we yeah. expected to win this, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like you probably said maybe Dublin or that winning, like winning Leinster so easily. Like sure, it's it's just they know they're going to win it, so it's yeah. not. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, no, it's definitely a huge part of it, and it's something I suppose that I would definitely, I suppose have I I you'd be. Definitely an advocate for bringing it across probably that little bit more to teams. And I think definitely the, the the ones where there's technical skills involved, the likes yeah. of the free taking, the likes of golf. You know, yeah. the the ones where it's quite technical. I think that's where it really some repetitive, repetitive, yeah. repetitive. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. So cool. That's pretty interesting. Um, best player you've ever played with. I suppose I've been lucky. Um, that's one thing, and I just go back to what we were on about attitude and players that grow up. But and I suppose the reason I suppose I had a good like, and I would always say I had a great attitude, like, and very competitive. From I suppose from first being installed to that professional lifestyle of Sligo Rovers, that you're dealing with professionals, to going to Sligo here to Ben Sigerson with like Andy Moore and Carl Lacey, Keith Higgins, Paul Dark and Shawnee McDermott, to have them all in the one basis to go to Sigerson. Then I played with. Aidan O'Mahony, John Miskley, Dennis Glennon, to be with them boys in the team, to play with Connacht. I've always been surrounded by... Quality. With, with, but quality footballers, both great attitudes. Yep. And you learn from that. And you, as I said, you learn from your peers, like, you know what I mean? Yep. And I think that's that's hugely crucial. So to, but to single it out, like, and I always... I probably did say, like, Andy Moore, not only for football ability, he might have been the best, best, like, in terms of maybe Porrick Joyce or something like that, but in terms of to bring all the attributes, in terms of attitude, work rate, and his, his how personal he was to players and how... There's no arrogance about him. Yeah. Whereas people might have thought looking at him why he's arrogant, but in terms of the way he was as a person, the people, like I would obviously put him up there with one of the one He's of the, the top top lad, top he really man, is. You know, like and, and it's funny even kinda of when you mention attitude there, there's just something else came into my head and we spoke about briefly about Dublin there. I remember back a few years ago I was working in a leisure centre in a hotel. Yeah. And occasionally we'd get football teams in staying and whatever. But I remember one weekend we had the Dublin team coming down because they were playing in Donegal the next day, so they stayed the night before. But at the time I was raging because somebody said to me, Oh, you have to keep the pool open for them tonight, they're gonna to be down after hours. And I was going, oh, fuck this. Do you know? Yeah. And I thought it's gonna probably put another hour and a half onto my work cleaning up after them, whatever. They came in and they went into the pool, they were so professional. Like yeah. they were only off the bus, like to be fair. So they weren't, you know, they weren't hanging around or anything, they were straight down into the pool and they were put through kind of a proper little recovery session and everything in the pool. And I just couldn't believe just the level of professionalism, the attitude. Yeah. Because I had seen other teams, and I'm not going to name them, but yeah. they were in in that pool and they were fucking floats at each other. Do you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what they were. Yeah. They were there, yeah. Um, but no, I seen them. And even when they came out then, and they were just, again, attitudes. They were stopping for a chat. Everyone said thanks. And it's the small things, do you yeah, know? It is, of course. Went into the change rooms and they were absolutely spotless. Yeah. I was expecting to go in and find World War Two in there that I was going to have to clean know, up. Course, but yeah. was, you know, it's little things and people think about Dublin and whatever. I think, you know, you'll, they'll talk about funding and they'll talk, talk about all the rest but there's attitude and there's work rate and there's all yeah. that stuff and talent and that comes into play as well. That's course, and, yeah. and, and it's, you know, it's those small things like cleaning the change rooms. That's what creates a culture. Yeah. That's what, you know, and I think that's important. It's respect as well. Like, you it know, is. And it, 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 I suppose it, it'll, it'll flow to a team when you see one or two at it too. You know, I think that's, it's usually rightly important that there is groups and leaders that do that because yeah. people see your leaders but especially for younger lads coming in there to panels, they're looking, they're looking to see what Stephen Cluxton does, they're looking to yeah. see what Johnny Cooper does. So like, as much as they might know it, and I probably would have been the same growing up, I probably wouldn't have realised whatever I do, there might be a young lad looking at you, but it's, it's important to carry yourself well. And, like, and the standard is set. Completely, you know? yeah. Uh, right, so best player is Andy Moran. Um, best player you've played against? Andy Moran as well. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> enough, I suppose I, I had a few tough battles with... Keith Higgins has probably won up there. Uh, marked him a number of times at under twenty one, and had, had the opportunity to mark him at senior level as well. Um, I suppose yeah, I was going as Division One. Colin Walsh from Monaghan now. Last I marked him two years ago. Now he was he was a tough character now, physically anyway. I said there's plenty of nips and bruises coming off. <laughs> after. I'd say I'd probably another my own man. I'd probably say uh, I'd probably say Keith Higgins in terms of competitiveness. You know, I, I marked a few lads in the provincial games again. No man, I played him at the Garda as well, but they're not. I suppose it's not championship based. Um, that you're you know that. Yeah. But t- toughest, if you're gonna if you're gonna say for toughest, I'd say my own former clubmate Paul Brennan was up there as well. But uh, in terms of opponent wise or to play against, like he was as hard as now he was as hard and physical as you come across. Like you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, he's with Donegal now as yeah, well. Yeah, he's up there now as well. So that's another thing. And no disrespect again to anybody from Leitrim or a county like Leitrim, smaller county. Did it ever? Do you ever cross your mind? Do you ever think, I wonder what it would be like to play with Donegal or Dublin or uh, one of those people sides? People always said to me about Donegal, well, I suppose having grown up there and my birth is Donegal, my passport's Donegal, so and my mum's from Donegal. But, ah, no, listen, I suppose, listen, you could say which is what could have been, but I, I, I've, 
You're happy with I might have loads of cups and trophies, but I still I feel I had a successful career with Leitrim in terms Very of so. making name for yourself or people appreciating you, whatever it be. But it's not all about winning. It's not all about cups and trophies either. Like you know, it's 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 what you, how you individually felt you got out of it. Like and I feel I got enough out of it. Paul made that decision. Paul is two Ulster medals in his back pocket. You know, like. And as I said, I was delighted for him that he did because a lot of people wouldn't have said he'd make it when he went up there. You know, and he was nominated for Man of the Match final or two years ago, and like it's worked out brilliantly for him. And he listen, he he left over different personal reasons, and that you, you, we were obviously disappointed. But at the same time, I'm just glad for him and as a personal friend that it worked out for him and that yeah. he's proven people yeah. wrong. That and again, again, he wouldn't have made that only down to attitude, like you know, yeah. regardless of talent and. Um, he was a massive loss to Leitham no question but listen best of luck to him and fair play to him as all I'd say anyway you've had a great career yourself anyway I suppose you've nothing ah, yeah, to listen, it, it could have been better it could have been worse as I said with injuries if you coincide with all injuries I've had I've probably got you know I, I've got lucky to get this far out of it um, now as I said I hope it's, this isn't the end of it either you know but um, if, if, if I, I just have to keep my head down and see what happens in the next year or two but um, this is I, I've been I've been blessed to to be involved in the Wirral County jersey. I think every young lad wants to do it. So, as I said, it's uh, and 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 have that small part of it being soccer related as well. Do you know, I've been lucky to get the two sports in and two sports that I still love. You know, so yeah. Favorite away ground. Favorite away ground. Um, again, lucky enough to play in a lot of them. Um, she's up to tough enough one now. Um, Let's go the other way. Where did you hate going to? Where did I hate Wicklow? <laughs> <laughs> All them Division Four teams, or even Corrigan Park and Antrim as well. Since obviously Casement closed, they've another ground there. It's like in the middle of a housing estate. Like they're intimidating kind of spots. You know, yeah, I suppose yeah. the journeys alone, or the, the journeys alone, bringing them down there are uh, are, are tough. Um, no favourite way ground. It was actually one year we played down up in Newry. Uh, few years in the qualifiers and it was just something about it it was a lovely tight little knit ground there was a few uh, Armagh played there something about the northern grounds I know they're kind of the stands are close in on the pitch you know so no and Yuri really enjoyed there and obviously thankfully last you got to play in Crow Park so you'd have to put that up there has to go up there has to go up there couldn't put down the way ground because we wouldn't be in Dublin <laughs> playing Dublin draw for it but no it's definitely up there anyway was there ever a team that you felt you always did well against was there one that you liked playing Sometimes people players have that where they go, there's that I always seem to do well against them, I don't know why. Sligo probably won. Well Sligo be it only the fact that well, the only championship the only championship victory I've ever had outside of New York and London kind of championship was Sligo. Okay. In two thousand eleven. Um, but I always felt playing them in ch- even in F B D or that, you know, I all I all I would have always felt confident against them, you know, and especially being personally probably known most of them. You have a lot of connections around there. Yeah, you know, but uh over the years then yeah see we would have played against Wicklow a lot like Waterford teams that got in Division 4 and I suppose there was a consistent basis that you might have been beating them um, but when it comes to the top teams like like Roscommon I just can't I just can't handle playing them anymore like it's just like, <laughs> like we played them four years in a row now in Championship like you know and it's not even like, I think literally got Mayo in the Championship this year and I think they're delighted to get Mayo on the basis that it's just something not different like, yeah. just, yeah. you, you can get you can get sick and tired looking at the same teams and, oh, I think the it, and you get to know each other so well it's the way the structure is you're consistently playing the same teams anyway, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. at least when you go into qualifiers you, you might get someone new in it you know but uh, no definitely not definitely Roscommon what would you say is the best moment of your career? Probably hard to pinpoint one. Uh, best moment, yeah, hard hard to pinpoint. Listen, I've been. I, you know, I suppose only. I know they're only FBD, but like even we, I was lucky enough to be captain of the two of the times we did win it. You know, like and that was the only fourth, third, and fourth cups each time ever won. That's massive. You know, so to be captain two of them, even though they're only FBD, they were, that's what they, they were. Nice moments to go up on behalf of each time to, to lift a cup, like you know. And um, another one, I suppose, would have been in terms of the county level was to represent Connacht. And win a railway cup, um, like kind of had kind of haven't won that since the I think the, it was like forty years ago. Like you know, I always look back and I I said to the wife like Park Joyce, Kieran McDonald, these boys don't have a railway cup medal. Do you know, yeah, like yeah. It's, last time one was like Mickey Kieran's here from Sligo was on it. Do you know, so that was a that was a nice medal to win. As when a, you put it into context, like you've achieved loads, you yeah. really have. Like when you start talking in those terms, it's just you know it's you incredible. Know, and then the club, obviously, you know, listen, it was, we won a, we won a, I won a club senior medal, which is obviously hugely important. And listen, I went to Dublin, we won a senior league, didn't win a championship. But listen, I've, I've been lucky enough everywhere I've went, we've won something, you know. But um, I think lift, just lifting lifting the cup for Leitrim, I suppose, is a it's huge. Massive. Even lifting your Marquis Park was the year first year we won it. Um, just, just to just to lift the cup for them, as we said, they hadn't, didn't, they hadn't won the cup since '94, like so, um, definitely was down. But I think, listen, overall, my biggest achievement, I'd be honest with you, Alan, is probably getting back to a level from them injuries, and just being able to compete at a high level Brilliant. from what my body's been put through. I think, as a personal achievement, that's probably my biggest personal achievement. Yeah. 
winning the cups is great, great memories to live back on. But being able to sit here and still be saying I can still play county football even though I've three crushes gone, you know what I mean? It's amazing. I yeah. think as a personal achievement, that's why you're my highest. Or that is biggest, huge. You know? Yeah, no, that's incredible. Who are the biggest influences on your career? There's probably a few. Ah, yeah. Listen, again, I've been, I've been, I've been lucky. It's obviously family orientated. Um, like mum and dad were obviously huge supporters. Like you know. Were they big GA fans from the get go? Yeah, well, dad, dad's a Longford man. His dad's Mullinyacht there in Longford who, who won the club Leinster last year. You know, so my cousins, my cousin Shane, captained them last year. To so like he came from a GA background. My mother the same up in Donegal. There, you know, they would have been GA would have been a big thing. Um, growing up, I suppose they were the biggest, the biggest supporters for me. And then obviously I married Elaine, and then she's. Her family of Cairns is there. She's an East of Mickey Cairns, so like going into her family and them all GA heads completely. You know, <laughs> You're comfortable or, enough. <laughs> yeah, so like you know, but I say, but you need that around you. You know, I think it's yeah. very important that they're supportive, and her parents are very supportive of it. So I said, I do think because if you're in families that aren't massive, yeah. it, it, you probably become a wee bit slacking. But they'd be very influential to me in terms of, you know, and then obviously growing up as a young fella, like I'm not, I'm not sure. Do you know Mickey Finney? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I personally put him down at, as one of the top managers I've ever had. And well, like, that's it. Like, he he probably put the path. My he 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 started my career, my path in terms of attitude, the way he treated I suppose twelve, thirteen year olds. Yeah, he was extremely strict, and like it was the compliance was zero. Like it was everything had to be hundred percent. Like you know, and I just see twelve, thirteen year olds now running around a trade and going mad. No discipline. Like the discipline he put on me probably led the path for me going forward. And I suppose like I've never probably said it to him or never said to anyone. I say. I've been through some great managers from Mickey Moore to Desi Dolan to these men, but I definitely would put him down as probably the main influence of me starting off in wow. terms of the path he put me on, definitely, yeah. That's incredible, wow. Yeah. Well, nearly, we're nearly there. These days, I hear you're doing a little bit of co-commentary and whatnot. Yeah, listen. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, great. Yeah, last two years now, RT, two year, last year, I suppose, it was the first first time I went up and I had a few gigs in Co Park, so then this year, I suppose when I stepped away from Leitrim, I was a bit more available, you know. It was a bit surreal now I'd done because I was doing a few games this year. I'd done Tyrone Longford, it was the first game done this year, and Leitrim were playing at the same time in Carrick against Clare, so it was a wee bit kind of. <laughs> should I be sitting here or should I be there? But uh, no, and then I got up to Co Park, I'd done a few games, I'd done then, I'd done a few of the Super 8s, and I'd done the Ireland minor final, the semi final as well. So I know I enjoy it, and RT's yeah. been good to me now, and first to give me, the, myself and Mickey Quinn from Longford, seem to be two lads from the lower divisions that have been bringing up regularly, so. Um, Alison, it's lovely to go up to Park and to be sitting up there as ISIS. But you've earned the right to be there as well. You know, you know? as I said, listen back, if I look back, starting out in my career, that I'd be sitting in Co Park with Des Cahill and Colin Cooper beside me commentating on a Dublin Roscommon game. You, something you'd never probably really believe. So, yeah. Um, yeah, listen, and hopefully it carries on again this year. And I suppose it does fill a bit of a void when you're not playing. Keeps you involved. It does. And it's, it's an aspect that I do enjoy, you know, and I think that. Hopefully, going forward, you'd like to have it, you know, to establish it, that you're consistently doing it, because um, I can be chatting with Mahara Gubit there as well, and do you know what I do? I think he's very good on the radio, do you know what I mean? You know, he'd be giving me, I'd bring him actually that time for advice or that, just to see what should I be doing or that, you know, so now hopefully that, I suppose that thing with RT carries on or whoever be off the ball news talk, so something definitely enjoy and hopefully it'll, 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 it'll last another while anyway. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you're a good communicator and you've played the game to a high level. Do you ever see yourself maybe packaging that and coming into management? Yeah, listen, it's definitely something I'd, I'd, I'd be hopeful of. Um, I've been involved now, I suppose, last number of years. I do take trainings here and there with different teams when clubs ring me or that, and it's definitely something I have a passion about. Um, underage, probably not so much, you know, I suppose. I'd probably rather win at a more professional level. I'd, I suppose more than anyone with standards, I do find it very hard to go back to... I suppose some clubs that are sloppy and yeah. you know that, that they're not all on the same wavelength. Now, listen, we all have to go back and get them up to that level. I presume, you know, I, I obviously I understand that, but I suppose county is probably where I'd rather be at, whether it be minor twenties or senior at that level, yeah. um, where you just have a Talented group of lads listen. that have the proper attitude. Because yeah. I find it very hard to go into restrooms or train teams that are just not willing to give. That's you know, very understandable. Yeah, you know, and I suppose yeah. now it's, maybe it's a bit of a selfish thing as well, but. Like I just find some clubs and you know you try to portray that attitude to your club obviously senior players in your club but it's very hard sometimes just dealing with some players that are just you know they're, they're, their heads aren't 100% in that's it when you've got you used to out. a certain standard yeah, yeah, yeah it is it's, very it's, tough, you it's, know, it's but, tough yeah hopefully down the line and probably in the, in the not sooner rather than later probably you know so um, again it's another it's another path listen at the end of the day you, want, you never want to walk away from completely any like I think you have to keep you're going to be involved in some way you're going way. to be involved in some capacity you're hooked like, you know so oh, um, hooked is right yeah we're nearly there any advice that you want to give to we'll say some young lads the young 
Emlyn Mulligan that was maybe 14, 15 and starting out. Maybe not in the soccer path, but yeah, they wanted no, to play if county it, or whatever. If it was county, no, my biggest pattern, I suppose, I growing, playing at that level under 16, I had no disrespect to the coaches that I had at that level. Like, our level of coaching at that age was terrible, like, you know. But the one thing that I would have perfected my own thing would have been the simple things, like the, the, the kick pass, the, you know, keeping possession, head on, not making mistakes, basically. Like I think a lot of players now, and I see drills, and you see gym. Like it's all just, they want they want something so complicated that it's the next best drill ever. Whereas some of them can't kick the ball from my, from this end of the room to the next and put it on your chest, like you know. And I think the biggest thing for young lads coming through is if they can perfect the simplest skills skills of the game, that they will like you to be a county player. You don't have to be. You know, like you watch Dublin, like you, you watch Johnny Cooper and these lads. Them lads might kick the ball only twice in the game, but they just can read the game and they can fist, but they never give away the ball or they never make a mistake. And I think that's the biggest part of it that just focus in solely on doing the simple things right. Yeah. The rest will come with it, but if you can, at that age, 14, 15, 16, 17, get the basics. Because I see the lads, even some lads at county level, still can't kick the ball 20 yards. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's, but there, there's some other attribute to be yeah, there, you know, in terms of physicality or getting a hand in. But I think the basic skills, and I think that's part of G we're losing a wee bit, is we're so focused on tactics and everything else that we're forgetting about what we should be. Basically, the, the, I suppose the part of the game that... So effectively make sure we get the basics right, is what you're saying? Yeah, I just think that. And yeah, I just think it's, it's, it's nearly forgotten about. And I think if... I know my game is all about the basics. It's like, get the ball kick it inside to the forward but that pass is 100% it's either in front of him it's bounce pass do you know what I mean and I suppose like after that listen outside or right and all these passes there are skills that need to be practised and it's just practice the basic skills and I think enjoyment is huge as well like you yeah. know it's, it's if you don't enjoy it it's very hard to be involved in it and now that comes from coaches as well like coaches need to understand as well that players come to enjoy like and I, I read I follow different coaches online and they're saying about children and what's the biggest thing like he says if you see a child coming to training and he's running out of the car to get running onto the pitch to get a ball, like he know you know he's happy to be coming here. But if you see the child that's iffy and half walking, salt can come up. Like it's, it's it's you know there's it's not all about getting in their heads all this, but it's just about the enjoyment of it. And as I said, the basics I think are hugely important. And again, attitude. Listen, you might be even if you're not the best or skilled or most talented footballer, your attitude can still bring you it can still bring you a, a good distance and, and bring you to that level. You know, hundred percent. And looking after the body as well. 100%, yeah. And that recovery time and all the rest as well and keeping a nice balance. And do you know what I would say as well, and we didn't really discuss it in detail, but looking after your whole life as well, I think that you've got hobbies outside of that and you've got interests outside of it, that your whole world is not on this one thing. Yeah, because you need again, to escape. Yeah, do you know, because I think sometimes people get so focused on this one goal and this one thing that it nearly becomes obsessive. Yeah. And it's, it's a dangerous thing because yeah. if that's taken away from you, like you had your ACLs, like if that happens to somebody who has nothing outside of that, yeah, mentally that can probably be tough. Yeah, because you're in a bubble, like, and you're in that bubble and you're in that group, you know, and you're, you, everything is just focused for that one goal, you know. And I suppose, it, and even outside life, and I suppose it's different when I'm married, and, but any fellas, like, yeah, they're, they're a massive part of your life as well, and it's very easy to forget about them, yes. you know what I yeah. mean? Like, there's still little simple things and saying, listen, every Friday night we we'll go for dinner, and you know, they're, but they're healthy things. They're healthy it's so parts. important to do it, and especially I've even found it over the last few years, once you kind of start hitting 30, 31, 32, yeah. everybody's lives are really going in different directions, yeah. and it's so important just to make that effort, just to keep in touch with people, and just keep that, as you said, Friday night, go for a game of pool, or go for a, a yeah. bit of dinner. Because whatever, when it's over, know? it's over. Like, that's, yeah. like when, you, when you finish football, like you don't want to be just sitting there going, "Geez, what do I do now?" I've no friends left. I don't know, you know anybody and, else. And, and yeah. I'm saying, Grant, at the minute, like whereas I might be playing county football this year, I don't know what I'll be doing. But at the same time, I'm content because I have focuses on different things, like yeah. and whether it be run New York Martin next year. You know, I, I will put down now pen to paper in the next coming weeks and put out a plan and say, "Well, if this isn't happening for Leitrim, well, I can have to focus on something else." But I, I don't. Want, I'm not going to be sitting there every evening going, "What am I going to do with myself?" Because as you said, listen, it's a short career. But you don't want you, lads focusing on that can't put their whole lives in hold because of it because yeah. there is so much more you know and for as you said if, if something happens and you get injured and you're gone in the morning you need something else to be there to keep you, your, to you, keep you mentally sane and yeah you definitely do um, yeah I think we're nearly done now so just in terms of yourself if everything goes perfectly in the world of Emlyn Mulligan over the next five years where are you what are you doing where are you in life um, yeah listen definitely the next five years the, the I suppose the number one for me. Well, I'd still, well, I'd still hopefully play in any club, any definitely. You know, I, I hope to keep going with that until I suppose until the day I can't play physically. But management definitely is the next step. Um, that's something you'd love to that's do. That's it, yeah. Listen, it definitely is, and I suppose in the next five years, in the next year or two, possibly more so. Probably just there's a few courses I just wouldn't mind getting in and around. You know, and just getting that level up. But um, like something I would have done over the years was kept 
pieces of you know with trainings and all that over good managers that you would be able nearly to have a scrapbook that you could go straight in you know what I mean and having been involved with so many good people and talking outside of football in terms of like Jerry Duffy and these people and having experience with so many managers be it soccer Gaelic I think I'd have enough experience there to bring in um, you to, sound like you're very open to learning to as well though. oh that's it well, you're never finished anyway. yeah. I, I feel I, when I do take teams I feel I'm going in there and not knowing what I'm at but yeah. then, at the, then I'm thinking well, you know, you have enough experience. you have to back yourself as well and say well you've done enough over the years to know you can train a team but at the same time you'd like to get in there maybe as a selector or an experienced manager and just watch I suppose because management and coaching are totally different like they're two different roles you know and you see that at county level now one's a manager and one's a coach they're never both you know it's, it's yeah. a single job for each yeah. but yeah. Uh, maybe manager might be better than coach. I don't know, and uh, to this day I wouldn't know if I'm a better coach than a manager. But it's probably just tasting things and trying yeah, them and, and seeing. That's it, you know. It's just ex- experimenting, and whether it begins to a club at some level, we'll see. But uh, definitely, underlying coaching is is where, and I think, I think it's something I would probably enjoy. Probably enjoy more than playing. I think that just just being there and being able to analyse, and I probably wouldn't get too stressed out on the line. You know, I probably would focus more as a player individually. I think I'd really stress myself out more. Whereas I think, I think it'd be great as well though that you're. You're so, I suppose, you're still young, and you've only just you're still playing, and it's very fresh in your head, and yeah. you're coming out, and you can see it from a player's point of view as well. 100%, you know, yeah, yeah. like sometimes there's nearly archaic views with some of the managers, probably in terms yeah. of the way they do things, and even the the more recent advancements we spoke about already, the strength and conditioning, the nutrition. Yeah. You've got a fair handle on that now, I think, and there's probably well, a lot you can and, bring to. And people. I think as you said, there are younger managers. It's not enough from out there at the minute because like any manager, like like I, I presume now, like Sandy Moore by all accounts there's rumours he's going to me over in the 20s but I, like, like him needs to go straight into it I think because it's as you said so fresh in your mind it's so knowledgeable and up to date what they're doing whereas like, we have a lot of managers in their 50s, 60s that haven't played ball in 30 years they're still old school and they're in the old way of thinking like it's completely evolved and changed and I even the player has changed the like the young, yeah. young fellas nowadays are so different oh. to what we were when we were yeah. 17, 18 you know? yeah, so you have to understand how to yeah. handle them as well so I do think no definitely the younger I think there's no point taking a break as in listen you might step away to learn definitely courses, courses wise and all that sort of thing but I think the sooner the sooner sooner rather than later to get in and just get your hands stuck into it you know yeah. lovely stuff I think we're done for today and I think we've enough done that's an absolute pleasure Alan thanks, and thanks for your time I appreciate it I think 100%. that's been really really good and I think the GA fraternity listeners are going to love that to be honest oh, perfect. with you 100%. thanks um, so much thanks yourself we'll talk soon oh, well. that's it guys I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast we will speak again next week